You're listening to Very Loose Women. is Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. You're here with me, Soila, my co-presenter, Leo. Hello, Leo. I'm here every week. <laughs> Our guests, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hi. And Joe. Hello, Joe. Hi. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking to Sarah and Joe about the London LGBTQ plus community centre. But first, frustrations and celebrations. I think you should start, Soila. Should I start? Okay. Yeah. Um, my, mine is a frustration, and it's just that I was wearing a really bad bra today and it was really digging in so what I did was take it off but the way I so I'm in an open plan what, in, yeah I was gonna say in the office it's an open plan nice. office and I was like so I'm sat opposite um my editor and then on both sides are two other editors yeah. and I'm like oh god um so unhooked it and then I could you know when you know it kind of very outrageous that you wouldn't think to go to the toilet (laughs) to remove an item of clothing (laughs) then I was like I should do that underwear no less went to the loo um took it off and then I thought I've got nowhere to put the bra in your pants yeah yeah I knew it where it went um and then had to do the thing where I got back and had to sneak it kind of like shove it into my bag um so that was just very frustrating you know, on the bra front, you know, I've had a lifetime of finding bras that don't fit me, um, as in not finding bras. I managed to find two like sports type bras from okay. Marks and Spencer's that did. So I was very happy about that. But that's okay. not my celebration or frustration. My frustration and celebration. I'm it not is. sure if this is a humble brag, which makes me think now that I've said that, that it is. But basically, I was offered a job. I got really stressed about it last week and eventually I turned it down. So... I know, it's crazy. <laughs> Why would I do that? Why? I'm some kind of strange masochist. Um, yeah, so I don't want to talk more about it because I well, it down. It's, co- it well, congratulations. He's like, thank you for the job offer. Yeah. And then also... Congratulations yeah, for, for, for not for taking it. Deciding what I want in life. Yeah, great. Yay. <laughs> um, do yeah. you have anything to offer, Joe? Um, we just went for a very good Oaxaca. Nice, nice. Um, we had um, a very romantic oh, date. Oh, I like <laughs> And that's about it, to be honest, for today. That's, that's I mean, food is always day. great. I mean, it was quite great, to be honest. <laughs> um, so Sarah and Joe are here on behalf of the London LGBTQ Plus Centre. Um, we're going to talk to them about um, the work that they do, um, what the centre does, um, but also about our own ventures into the London queer scenes. Um, so firstly, can you tell us what the centre is about? Yeah, so um, at the moment, obviously, we um, we don't actually have a physical centre yet, mm-hmm. but that's what we um, are striving for. So um, our kind of vision for the centre is to have a sort of uh, day to evening space that is a sort of cafe workspace uh, in the day um, with one of its primary functions being a, um, a kind of research and a signposting service uh, and an information hub mm. um, so that, you know, everybody can come in and, and kind of do their work and do their research. Um, 
and hopefully it will be a sort of a space that's sort of intergenerational, multi-purpose, completely accessible um, in, in the heart of London for everybody in the community. What was the motivation for you to want to get involved in this? Oh God, so I this is something that I've kind of like thought of as something that I really wanted from my own personal perspective for a really long time. Like I remember being in the closet before I moved to London thinking like, oh, like I can't wait to get there. Like there'll be all this stuff and like being really surprised that this didn't exist already, especially because I'd like low key, I mean, very high key, watch the <laughs> L word <laughs> religiously and like seen like all of the amazing centers that they have. Like I remember seeing the LA like lesbian and gay center and being like, oh, God, that's incredible. And I just totally just assumed that they had that already in London and was really shook that they didn't. Um, and I really needed that when I was younger. And I really needed it, to be honest, when I was like 18 and 19 and I like was still really struggling. And even, you know, into my 20s and I was really, really struggling and I needed that community because I just didn't have it. So that was really my motivation for getting involved is just because I wanted to create something for, you know, generations that, to come that I just didn't have. Yeah, I think... Um, building on what Sarah said I think if you go to clubs and nightlife in general which is kind of like the only real queer space that we have Mm. in uh, London at the moment I think you see a very particular type of person there it's it's, you know generally you know the sort of 18 to 30 age bracket um, and we need spaces where there's intergenerational um, contact where people of all abilities are able to to use the space and you know talk to people and it's just something that we really need to you know create and have mm. so is there a center like this already in london or is that the primary reason why we need this center because there just isn't one yeah. um, if there isn't why do you think so well, there was one in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was the Lesbian and Gay Community Centre, um, which shut down, I think it was... I think it was up for about six years. Was no, it like 92 that it got closed? Not very good on dates, to be honest. But um, it wasn't very long, um, essentially. Um, and there is a variety of, you know, amazing work that's happening through different organisations that um, are providing different spaces and different uh, services to the LGBTQ community, but there isn't, at present, a community centre. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think, like, we ha- in London there are... Um, there's, a, there's Mosaic, which is, like, a, les- uh, a trans uh, youth group, and there's, um, group, there's a community centre, for example, uh, with the Proud Trust in Manchester, and there's a small one as well in Birmingham. Um, and it's... Like these, obviously, these spaces exist, and you know, internationally, there's uh, community centres like this in LA, New York, San Francisco, Zurich, Berlin. The list goes on, and it's just baffling, really, that we don't have one yet. And um, I think it's just the time is now. You know what I mean? Mm. It feels it feels like it's the ball's rolling, and it's it's the right time for sure. It sounds like it's also a sort of um, spirit of care, and I mean, it's intrinsic in the word community, but. Uh, when you're saying, you know, uh, people can arrive in any situation, just like sort of turn up on the doorstep. It's sort of saying, well, you're welcome here. Uh, even if you don't feel welcome in other spaces, that's what sort of strikes me from what you're saying. Um, but also there's a lot in terms of youth, there's a lot of LGBTQ plus uh, homeless youth. Uh, um, I don't know if it's still as current uh, now as 10 years ago, um, but a lot of people do get kicked out of their homes. Uh, for their sexuality and it's nice to think you can arrive 
inner city obviously nothing about that situation is nice um but that it's some solace that there there would be a center that could they could then feel like is perhaps part of their life for sure that. yeah and i think it's it's really important to kind of note that like while our center will obviously be a place for people to call home like we, one of the primary functions for that is that they'll be able to if they do you know find themselves turning up on our doorstep our signposting service can point them in the direction of stonewall housing and the outside project and akt um, albert kennedy trust and hopefully like get them the sort of put those particular types of people in those particular scenarios the care that they need because it's not often that you know finding the, that inform- that information that they might need on the internet for example can be a total minefield and it can you sometimes you have no idea what you're even googling when you're trying to find the information that you're not even sure you really need because you don't even know if it really exists so i think that having a place where you know that hub where there's resources you know completely filling up the bookshelf and mm. um there's you know there's ipads maybe there that you can just come and like browse or there's volunteers who just who just have this information just stored in their minds that that it's just it could be so valuable could be so precious and means so much to so many people um so yeah i think you know our goal is to just sort of see that come to life can you tell us about your kind of first experiences on the in the as part of the queer community on queer nights and things like that <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I can start us off yeah, if you on. want um <laughs> there was definitely i mean uh i'm bi i had a very long uh like i guess straight relationship so there was it, i didn't feel any need to approach any lgbt sort of uh, q plus communities in that sense um and i think uh there are a number of uh bi people who have followed a similar path um and it was actually through like kind of frustrations in that relationship which I think were intrinsic to that relationship and aren't (laughs) but I started going um I started going out on these nights and I just felt such a huge release uh and the first night I started going to was Domo which is dancing on my own uh, which I think like a lot of uh queer nights it's never explicitly stated that it's queer but you go there and then just find surrounded by queer people right exactly <laughs> and and I, it felt like i'd never felt comfortable on a night out before not to that extent i'd never felt like i was having an exceptional time um and those like the domo nights are really 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 did it was mm. really just... i remember going to them as well and kind of i must have been about like oh i don't know like 22 or something and back when they were on um and finding exactly the same sort of feeling like just that solidarity and like that fun camaraderie it was cute <laughs> yeah i definitely definitely never in- encountered it before after that i tried to because it shut down um i've heard different rumors about why it might shut down i don't know if any of them are true um but I started trying, like, branching out, being like, oh, maybe Queer Nights are my thing. But I went to a few, and they were generally, like, from that point on, like, uh, like what was nice about Domo is that there was, like, a mixed crowd in terms of genders. Um, but I, I, I was sort of focusing on my own sexuality, so I started going to, like, women's nights. Um, and they were just... I just didn't find that same, like, excitement and spirit in them until, um, yeah, passionate necking. Maybe I just really, like super cheesy music but i really <laughs> really really enjoyed that um it's only just stopped running hasn't yeah, it? yeah yeah so the montague arms shut down in, in peckham and so they had to stop those nights and they're different like this is a passionate necking night at different places but mm. it's just not the they same should relocate to the flying dutchman it's like similar location next door yeah yeah that's right near my house that would be incredible <laughs> <convenient>. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I had a really good time at those. Um, but there are also queer nights that I went to, like I went to one in East London with Soila once. I can't remember what the last yeah. one that was called, but that, I love yeah. that one so much. Um, it, what, it was a total vibe, I might be honest. That's it, it was, a totally, <laughs> it was a totally different crowd. I felt that people were just taller and more attractive than me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that every day. <laughs> um, Five foot one. So I, ju- I didn't feel like those other nights I've been to, I was like, these are my people. And I was like, mm. oh, I mean, these people are amazing, but then definitely, like, <laughs> I am not in the same class as these people. Um, That's so. wild that you think that. Yeah, well, I don't know. I just, I, they were, like, very dressed up. I tend to, like, not dress up a lot. Um, so I, I don't know. I just didn't mm. feel like I fit in that much. And I went to a really great, like, night um, at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern uh, that was, like, a Slade um, arts open night. And I was, like, also not cool enough for these people. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've had, like, mixed experiences. It's not, what I'm saying is it's not necessarily because it's a queer night that you're going to be, like, this is home. Um, yeah, for but sure. But there are, like, different nights where I felt like, oh, okay, this is more me. Mm. Um, so that was my first and my first sort of, like, forays. But I guess, like, inevitably it's about the people that you meet. And, like, obviously I met my partner not through a night out actually through okay cupid which i guess is its own little queer community as well the people that you meet um through dating anyway very long-winded say wait say like what have your queer sort of spaces been and how have you sort of navigated them i think it's not necessarily about like one club or one um one night or whatever for me it was kind of not not like to be that person say that I'm moving to East London but um, (laughs) there is a real hub of um, queer people within the sort of like Dalston East London area and it kind of it feels like not like a family but it's just you know everyone you have a little bit of a chat with everyone everyone's sort of like on the same page with you and you just feel really um, free and to Mm. be yourself and um, for me, it was it was really important to, as a non-binary person, it was really important to be able to express my gender um, in in the clubs and in the spaces in East London with people who were all really supportive and really understanding and um, didn't misgender me or completely accepted when I when I said I was non-binary. Um, so I think that was. That's probably my kind of vibe now. uh, um, I started drumming recently. This our listeners have heard a lot about (laughs) that, Um, and uh, (laughs) it was part of first timers, which is like a the DIY space initiative. And a DIY space, there seems there's like a similar coziness around, Mm. like especially gender expression and uh, like sexualities and a whole range of um, identities that. it's very sort of strict in the sense of that needs to be respected and then Mm -hmm. the rest is we can like build on that Mm. um and it's like i've definitely enjoyed i mean drumming has just been so so much fun go on (laughs) yes i could go on um but yeah sarah we haven't got to you yet uh it's tough tough, like i remember when i first when i first sort of came out and like i had a girlfriend for i don't know like eight months or however long and (laughs) then i was like okay, I need to start kind of getting into the queer scene, but I had absolutely no... Like, my best friend was gay, but didn't really go out. And then my, you know, ex-girlfriend, then best friend, sort of... They just weren't really, like, party people, and I just really wanted to, like, go out, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't until I kind of started dating and I was, uh, like, 21 or something that I started sort of going... I went to Superstore for the first time, and I went to um, Sink the Pink for the first time, and... um, before that it was sort of going to 
G-A-Y, which <laughs> has got the like the most precious part of my heart. Like I there is literally not nothing that I like more than going to J-Y on like a Wednesday afternoon <laughs> and just going and dancing and having one pound eighty five drinks or whatever. Um but I just I remember having this huge fear because somebody at my uni told me that um they got turned away from candy bar because they were too because they looked looked straight oh in no. quotation marks. So I because I'm like super feminine and quite straight passing I like had this huge fear basically that I was going to get turned away because my confidence just could not take it. Mm. So I avoided it for like literally years. Um and then I only had about like a year of joy there before I um before I before it closed down. Mm. Um but even in those spaces like I never really felt like I fit in and to be honest it hasn't really been till I kind of got to learn about like like Joe was saying about like gender expression and about like having a bit more of like a freely accepting um, community around me where I could kind of felt like I could like play with my gender or play with what I'm you know what I'm wearing or play with you know nudity and playing with wearing loads of makeup mm-hmm. and like just having loads of silly fun and it is it's spaces like Superstore and it's spaces like Sink the Pink where I felt like I could do that and you know Superstore is still one of my absolute like weekly haunts i love i love superstar and i think the other thing for me is um so i live and i grew up in west london and there wasn't that community there um especially in in greater london the kind of politics of the area is a bit more conservative um it's it when i was growing up it wasn't cool to kind of express yourself in such an open and free way and it wasn't until um um, I came out, you know, very recently and it wasn't until then that I was like, OK, well, I can kind of I, I feel like I was just very late to kind of exploring um, basically who I was. Um, and it wasn't until I first went to um, Passionate Necking and then um, the Superstore that I was like, this this is very important. And I mm-hmm. will happily travel halfway across London mm. so that I can experience this and, and feel like I belong to this. Mm. Um, so I guess my my next question is, is why is it so important to have that community? I think like, I mean, I, I can speak from a very privileged, um, a very privileged perspective mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cis and I'm white and, you know, I, I experience a lot of privileges, but so many people in our community don't have that. Yeah. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, there's inc- like increasing hate crimes, particularly against um, members of the trans community um, and non-binary community. Mm. Um, and spaces just don't exist and the streets just don't, aren't safe for LGBT, LGBTQ people. And I think, like, you know, nearly half of LGBT pupils are bullied for being who they are in schools and, like, two in five trans people have experienced a hate crime um, in the past year. Mm. And, like, these are stats that are just, like, absolutely crazy, but they become just... Um, like, they're, they're just... Under, like, you can you can see it happening, you can feel it around you, and, like, I think the, the need for these spaces, particularly ones that are in the daytime, like, away from the party scene, away from that's all it. of that stuff. Yeah, that's what... I mean, DIY space, I think, is the only one that I can think of that has that. Mm. Um, but a place to go during the day. Yeah. Because a lot of the places where I sort of started going out 
out um they're all like night events and mm. you know if one if you're in a relationship that's not suitable all the time mm. um <laughs> can be for some um, not that's not a judgmental thing uh, that i was saying um but also like maybe you just want to hang out with people and not have to like justify a bunch of stuff mm. and that like you know that's like a living room you yeah. don't require mm. like loud music and lots of alcohol for that yeah yeah there's a sort of middle ground but back on the loud music a lot a lot of these places are closing down and you're talking about building one up yeah Mm -hmm. so there is like a reverse trend going on there uh especially like i know like lesbian bars are are shutting down and um royal Vauxhall tavern's been saved like 57 times (laughs) Um, uh like like a lot of these places are in jeopardy and yet you're sort of bucking the trend and saying actually we need to build a new one Mm. so what's your sort of thought process um behind that uh, and sort of in terms, I guess, I'm asking about the longevity of your project. Where do you see it going? I mean, this can, the aim of this is for it to be a staple in London for as long as there's LGBTQ people. Um, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, um, I like, totally had a mind blank. Yeah, then. a complete mind blank. So I think, <laughs> I think, to be honest, like I've seen, I've seen, spaces close around me i've seen like like i said candy bar close green carnations close joins is gone black cap's gone and i remember being at the the protest um for the black cap closing down in 2014 and that's where i met michael actually for who's a big part of the organization mm-hmm. team um and th- that feeling that passion of these people who just desperately wanted this space there was so there was people across generations there there were locals who spent you know every evening there there were people who live in camden so that they can go to that one mm-hmm. bar that's been open for like i don't it was like 100 years mm-hmm. or something crazy like that that just got shut down and then wanted to be turned into a breakfast club and luxury apartments like surprise surprise that that passion and that sort of that like ball rolling thing like really hit a nerve for me and that's when I was like okay the LGBT community and fighting for it is what I want to do with my life um and so that's what I've been trying to do since then and then this is something that's so personal that I just really like I just wanted it and like like Mm -hmm. Joe says it was something that we we foresee it being something that's just like deeply embedded in the concrete of London that it, sh- I mean, it should have existed for years. It should have. This sh- we mm-hmm. should be celebrating its thirtieth anniversary. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it just doesn't exist. But I don't know. I think, yeah. Like I, I'm waffling on, but yeah. Hopefully, it's something that will continue to stick around for a really long time. It's- I think um, we've <laughs> got to recognise that like Sadiq Khan has been doing like a lot of mm. work for um, LGBTQ mm. spaces at this point in time, and also the Jonas Arms and the Friends of the Jonas Arm campaign. Mm. Um, they recently uh, did a campaign and we <laughs> they're starting a community pub in the space that was the Jonas. So, I mean, there is signs that um, more LGBTQ spaces are going to be popping up more mm. and more. But, yeah, mm. it's still very um, focused on nightlife rather than community spaces. So when do you hope for this centre to kind of be up and running? Well, um, I think I think the goal is to have something this time next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we only started, I mean, we had our first meeting in October. So we've, mm-hmm. we've only really had the ball rolling for about six months. Um, and we're in the middle of our crowdfunding campaign right now. Um, Let's hear a little more about that. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people like, donate to your campaign? 
Sure. So um, if you go to crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash LDN LGBTQ Centre, I really hope that's right. I've got like, it's I've written London. Sorry, it's London <laughs> LGBTQ Centre. Oh, God, my brain is fried. Um, yeah, crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash London LGBTQ Centre. Um, we're trying to raise this, the kind of the business capital essentially to get to get this project off the ground. Um, whether that goes to putting a deposit down on, on a space or putting six months rent down and having mm-hmm. to fit out, fit out costs or whatever. Basically, we need money in the bank to get any of this done, um, even though we've got the, the help and the support of, um, you know, Sadiq's team and um, the mayor of Hackney and Diane Abbott and, and you know, Jeremy Corbyn, a lot of other political figures um, and, you know, the council and, and a lot of community figures as well. Essentially, we just need money to get to get it off the ground. So, yeah, if uh, if you could head to our crowdfunder and donate whatever you can, it, it would mean the absolute world to us all. And in terms of the people that you've been working with towards this, um, sounds like you've kind of made your own little community, so like a nugget of it, mm-hmm. in that you've all spent a really intense time since October. That's such a short period of time to put together such a huge, a like, huge just idea, but mm-hmm. then also actually starting the steps towards the crowdfunding. Um, yeah, I guess my question is, what do you feel you've gained from that? And also, what do you do every day together? Like, what what's your <laughs> what's your output? Well, I mean, I keep looking at. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I keep looking at German. They're like speaking yeah. over them. I'm so yeah, sorry. You go, Absolutely. you go. Um, wait, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, I guess what what you've gained from being part of this project so far, even though it hasn't materialised. Well, we've got about 150, 200 people actively, you know, involved in the project, working on it, mm. giving up their time. Um, everybody's enthused everybody just wants this project to happen and it's just we've kind of built this like little community mm-hmm. where everybody is so passionate about something so important and on a day-to-day it's just constant messages about what needs to be done yeah where what we need to do by the end of today what mm-hmm. we need to do for tomorrow it's just constant work mm-hmm. and we're all pushing our boats out. I got blocked from Facebook the other day because I'd sent too many messages in one day and they thought that I was a spammer. That's that gives you an idea. Well, you we, do spamming. Yeah, well, yeah. we do a lot of organising through Facebook and um and things like that. So yeah, it's it's it is like Joe says, like constant messaging every the day. Work, yeah. yeah. And we all work full time as well. Mm. So we're all kind of balancing around this our day job uh, around our day job. So yeah, it's uh it's very intense but it's very rewarding. It's Mm. And are you still looking for volunteers? If anyone wants to help, how can they do so? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Follow us on Facebook, which yeah. is LDN LGBTQ Centre. Yeah, and, and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, same handle, and just um, pop us a message, and you can get involved. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's all we've got time for. We are going to be playing. We're going to be playing um, Pink by um, Janelle Monae. Um, my new favourite song. We've literally been jamming all evening. Yeah. Um, you can listen to um, us uh, on... Uh, listen to us. You, well, you're listening to us now, but our previous episodes <laughs> on acast.com forward slash Very Loose Women um, or on iTunes podcast. Um, we're v- at VLW Radio on Twitter and on Facebook with Very Loose Women. Um, thank you so much, um, Sarah and Joe, for coming on. Thanks we're, for we're, having us. We're very happy. Um, so, um, yes, do let us know, listeners, what you think of the show and some topics you might like us to Message talk about. Message us. We love getting messages. We do indeed. Um, um, and uh, we're going to play out to, um, to Janelle. So, good night. Yeah.
shutters. Crazy.